4,000 shipments a month. You're about doing 1,000 shipments a week. I think that's a good time to start doing your homework, looking at what's available out there for third-party providers. Then you have to start thinking about all the mechanics of the back, all the logistics, all the people you need to manage, to hire. I think at that point, you're at a tipping point. And you really, if your company is growing, the last thing you want to do is take your eye off the growth and start to focus on a different piece of your business, which is logistics, which you're not good at. Hello and welcome to the EcomOps podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I'm talking to Harry from Amver. And uh, well, guys, today we're talking a lot about logistics and warehousing and all these kind of things. And welcome to the show, Harry. Norbert, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining. Um, Harry, just let us dive directly into the topic. Um, why are you in logistics? Who are you and what does Amver? Why, uh, why am I in logistics? Uh, personally, uh, I can make a lot of money in logistics. Uh, good actually, reason. Always a good reason. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's why we're here today, right? It's all about, it's all about money. Uh, logistics is a business that I'm uh, passionate about. Uh, I like logistics. I like the fact that uh, every day is different when you come to work. I think you have an excellent opportunity here to help customers grow their brands, to guide them to be a part of many successes. So that's why I'm in logistics. And my background, I've been in logistics for, I know it doesn't look it, for 40 years. I've been on the transportation side for 10 years, trucking, if you will. Uh, I've been on the warehousing side for 30 years. I've worked for companies like Usco Logistics, uh, Kuhn & Nagel, Kane is Able, and now Amware. As you do this for really such a long time now, being in the logistic part of things, in your opinion, what should every e-commerce business need to know about the off-the-click process to improve the customer experience um, and to even drive more sales? To improve the customer experience would be very much to be in tune with your audience, to know fully well what they expect, to always deliver good service so that you're not wasting their time, deliver the product on time, cleanly, accurately, and then make that experience of when they open the box, a smiling experience, make it a happy experience that it was worth waiting for, that the product was worth being paid for. And if they have a question, it can get answered very, very easily. If they need to make a return, it can be seamless. It can be a good experience to do business with the e-tailer. And that in, it, in itself uh, will result in repeat business, which is what really is the lifeline of all these businesses online. Yeah, I fully got you. And I also need to fully agree because what makes all of us happy is if we get a package in shape and it is in what it should be in and maybe even something on top that makes me feeling nice about this. Now, I think we have a lot of listeners here that have an e-commerce store that are shipping their goods themselves. Now you have a warehouse, 3PL Logistics, or you're offering that. What is the difference 
if I ship myself or what can a fulfillment company do for me to even improve my shipping and my warehousing? First, I will tell you that here in the uh, here in the United States, Amware has uh, 18 facilities in all the major metropolitan areas, all the demographic areas of the United States. Worldwide, we have uh, 81 facilities. We're part of the, the Stasi group, as I had mentioned while we were just chatting ourselves. You know, what we can do for customers as opposed to customers doing for themselves is just start with getting product closer to the end user. So what does that mean? That means orders get delivered faster. They get delivered more efficiently at a cost better rate than shipping from one location. We have the ability to scale up or down, which means that if you run promotions, if you're incredibly busy, if your pattern of orders follows the weekends are very heavy, as you get through the week, it gets lower and you struggle how you maintain your workforce we have flexible workforces as well as multiple customers in a warehouse, which means that we can take the labor that we use and we can move it from customer to customer. So if you're not busy, we can move that labor to another customer. Now, why is that important? Obviously, if we're not fulfilling your orders, you won't pay for that service. But more importantly, you won't lose the people who are working on your account because they're able to get their 40 hours a week Whereas if you're running them and you're busy Monday and Tuesday, but not so busy Thursday and Friday, what do you do with these people? You can keep them on and pay them. That's highly inefficient. That drives up your logistics costs, right? Your distribution costs. So scalability, the ability to pay for what you need, the access to technology. I mean, we have technology in our warehouse. We have robotics. We have automation. We have voice picking systems. I mean, you can get access to that when you deal with me that you may not be able to invest in because you're smaller. I handle probably a billion dollars worth of goods for my customers. I don't know how many of your listeners are actually a billion dollar business today. So in other words, I have buying power. I have access not to so technology. Not so many, I think. <laughs> yes, I would think not. I mean, the average customer is maybe 10 to 50 billion. The other thing that we can do is we have access to outstanding parcel rates because we do 18 million shipments a year here in the United States. Oh, wow. uh, we have buying power with the parcel carriers. We have, uh, we're able to negotiate better rates than many of your customers can individually. And we pass those savings on to the customers as well. So it's a very different experience. And keep in mind, many of your e-commerce retailers, if you will, are not experts in marketing. They're experts in selling. They know how to their product to get sales. Maybe not so good at what happens after the click and getting it out the mm -hmm. door. That's what we're exceptionally good at. Everything that happens after the click. And that, that kind of allows you and your customers to really focus on growing the business by selling and letting us handle everything in the back room, if you will. That's really good explained. And I like it. What is the best starting point if I am an e-commerce store owner? At what point should I think about putting my goods into a warehouse and a fulfillment center? If you're finding that your brand is growing and growing significantly, it's a nice problem to have. If you find yourself spending more time on the back and logistics than on selling, if you start to think about having to hire experts, if you will, people with a skill set in logistics where you don't have that skill set to manage them, that's a time to start thinking about outsourcing. 
you know, if you asked me for hard numbers, I would tell you that when you approach 50,000 shipments a year, 4,000 shipments a month, you're about doing 1,000 shipments a week. I think that's a good time to start doing your homework, looking at what's available out there for third-party providers. When you start to get a little bit north of 50,000, then you have to start thinking about all the mechanics of the back, all the logistics, all the people you need to manage, to hire. I think at that point, you're at a tipping point. And you really, if your company is growing, the last thing you want to do is take your eye off the growth and start to focus on a different piece of your business, which is logistics, which you're not good at. So you hire someone to manage it, then you have to manage that person. That's just about the best time to start looking. What's out there? What can I get? What is it I really want to present to my customers? And how do I want to do it? And there is often the case that, especially younger companies, they have their own branding on the packages. They have their some, some inlays in the packages with additional information about the company, about additional products. How do you handle that? Is this also possible if I have my goods at your warehouses? Or is this something that is a no-go for a 3PL center? That is what we do. So I would tell you the difference between, if you look here in the States, who's big? Amazon is big. Amazon, their box, their smile outside the box, their operation, the way they do it. We're custom. We do it the way you would do it as a customer. So it would be your box. It would be your packaging. Your customers would not know that this came from my company. They would think it came from your company. So we would learn to do it the way you want it done, the way you're doing it today, or the way you would like to do it. And I would tell you that we put the smile inside the box, not outside the box. So <laughs> that's you get, a good one. You like that? Yeah, we, we I like get, that. We get to protect your brand. When your customer opens your package, it's your package. It's your, your name on it. It's your branding. You protect it. You get to grow it. That's a huge advantage to outsource to a company like Amware, where we do everything customized. We do not handle two customers the same way. Every customer in my environment is customized done their way, trained their way. We have written SOPs for our people so that they can learn. They actually receive a test before they're allowed to work on the customer. So they have to understand receiving, picking, shipping, customer service specific to that one customer. Again, your end users will think it came from you, the brand, as opposed to a third-party provider. Nice one. Really nice. Now, what do I need to consider? There are so many different e-commerce stores out there. There are so many different ERP softwares that people are using. How do you get the orders in and the trackings out to the systems back? So everything handles, everything is obviously EDI. Everything handles through maybe a shopping cart, depends on how it's set up. So orders would still come into your customer, it would still come into you. You would vet those orders in the way that you normally vet them, check them for credit, whatever it may be. And then once that's good, and whether you're using a Shopify, you're using Magento, you're using another shopping cart, at those point, those orders, they can either come directly from your customer to us. They can go through a shopping cart to us. We would then process the orders. One thing that we do and that maybe I didn't mention before is we do same-day shipping for our customers. So pretty much as long as we're in sync and talking to each other and we're fully aware of what the volumes look like, we can staff and plan for that so that orders go out same day. And one, of the, one of the reasons I had mentioned earlier about the 50,000 order mark is once you start to get above that, 
then you start to have to figure out, am I now extending my shipping? Am I going two, three days? And you want to continue to go same day. So the orders would come into us. We would process those orders. We would send those orders out to customers. And then we would send notification back to the e-tailer that the order was picked, the order was packed, the order was shipped, it's on its way, here's the tracking number, and we handle everything that way. So from your e-tailer's perspective, as long as they can send uh, data electronically and receive data electronically, they'll be in total control and they'll be able to manage that shipment from the moment it leaves their place, uh, being communicated and transmitted to the warehouse till the time it comes back. It's fairly simple. We're set up to facilitate onboarding your e-tailer. We'll hold the e-tailer's hand. We will take care of everything, even for those e-tailers that are worried, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this from an IT perspective. We have people that work here, committees that do nothing, teams that do nothing but guide our customers through an implementation and through a transition. We make it very, very easy. That's perfect. And great to hear that because especially automation and integration is one of our topics at the Ecomops podcast. And this is really an important thing again to have yeah, everything on autopilot. And actually it's the technical adjustments and the IT beyond all that, that really fires power. Uh, and of course, the team behind that who takes care for sending the parcels real actually. Is there any or are there any challenges that are you facing with specific kind of industries like CPG, food, pharmaceuticals, computer electronics? Is there anything yeah. special? We focus on nutraceuticals, health and beauty, point of sale material, some electronics, apparel. So we're very well versed with these verticals. So we know how to handle the verticals. The biggest challenge might be state laws, regulations around the product, mm -hmm. if it's a food product. So maybe there's something that we need to know, but we manage that as well. And then if you're shipping to retailers, obviously each retailer has a different requirement of what they want transmitted and what form they want the data to come to them, how they want the packages set up, what kind of labeling they want. And each retailer is different. So we have a group that handles that. We're proficient with that. You know, at the end of the day, we make it as easy for your e-tailer as possible, including the transition so that they don't have to take their eye off managing their business, which is selling and marketing, and they can transition everything to us without a worry that, again, their business won't have a hiccup, it won't have an interruption, it won't have a stoppage. And I think that's very important. And what we really like in Ecomops is to hear about success stories. Do you have a success story in mind of one of your clients? If you go to our website, we have many case studies that you could look at. And I guarantee that you will find one that's very appropriate for whatever business you're in. We've helped. We have 200 customers. Our longest customers have been with us for 15, 20 years. When you ask about success stories, here in the States, I'm not sure if you're familiar, listeners might not be familiar, the, uh, it's called Shark Tank, uh, where there are many young entrepreneurs who have an idea, who have uh, just started doing that, and they come before a panel of investors, and they sell the idea to the investors, so the investors become a partner. We've had several of those companies come to us after the investors have backed them. Uh, and ask them to get started. So we took a sock company from 100 shipments a day to a couple of million shipments a year. 
We've done that with cosmetics companies where they're just starting out, like I say, a thousand, thousand shipments a month. We have an apparel company today that we do 4 million shipments a year with that started out with us doing maybe 100,000 shipments. So there's numerous success stories. I don't want to mention names on this podcast, but I would encourage people to go to the Amware Fulfillment or Amware Logistics website. Take a look, see what's relevant. There's a lot of information there that your, uh, your, your listeners can get, and it'll give them direction, not necessarily everything to me or to a third party, but just things that they can think about, areas that they can explore. And we're always available to help your customers and guide them. It's what we do again. That's why we're passionate. Great. Thank you so much. Shark Tank is something that we know here as well. It's not called Shark Tank in every, I think, uh, country here in Europe. It's a, it has a different name, but the same story. And what we see here actually is there are someone that pitch a product and within the show, the web shop goes down. Yeah. So we know that there is a lot of traffic coming. And so, of course, a lot of orders will come in and you might not be able to handle them without a 3PL sender. So it's really an important thing to have really a professional uh, company here that helps you send all those packages out there. The last couple of years, we had a huge of uh, increase in e-commerce, especially during Corona, where a lot of people didn't went to stores and just ordered online. Did you see some changes in the last couple of years or stronger increases and peaks? The, the answer is yes, for various reasons. Obviously, fourth quarter holiday season, you're always going to get a bigger push around holiday season. So yes, you will see peaks with that. And then I think the other thing that drives peaks is promotions. Many e-tailers are always probing the market and trying to see where they can push sales, additional sales. And so they try various promotions throughout the month, throughout the quarter. Maybe some of it is pricing. Maybe some of it is BOGO, buy one, get one. Maybe someone is if you buy these two or three products together. So e-tailers are constantly probing the market for what can drive additional volume. And when that happens, we've seen volume go as high as 10x on a daily sale. So if a customer is doing a 1,000 or 2,000 orders a day, We've seen volumes go as high as twenty or 30000 on a promotion. Some of our customers go on a show, Good Morning America, in the morning. They feature different kind of retailers, if you will. And a promotion like that can get a huge spike in orders. So yes, we're used to it. We handle it. We understand it. I think the key to being successful is to work very closely with the retailer so that we know it's coming. Many yep. times, retailers want to keep it a secret for various reasons. One of them might be we don't want our customers to know there's a promotion in two weeks or they will wait to buy. So we lose some sales in the two weeks. I mean, that's okay. I understand that. But don't keep the secret from me. I'm the caterer that's coming to your party. If you're going to have 500 people and I prepare food for 50, you're going to have a lot of unhappy people at your party. So uh -huh, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you're planning a sale... Don't keep it a secret from me. Let me know so I can prepare properly and I can get the, you know, when you, customers don't want to wait weeks for product. So let's work together. Let's understand what we have to do. Let's prepare properly. Then when the sale happens, orders get out on time. Customers get it fast, happy. And listen, everybody looks at social media today. I know all of my customers, including me, watch social media. My job is to make sure that whatever gets put on social media regarding to logistics, 
is positive and happy. Great experience. Got my product the next day. It's unbelievable. It's great. Exactly what I ordered. I'm so happy. That's what we're driving to jointly. And my customers are happy that I'm looking that uh, with them as well. That's cool. And I really love you, Alan Roches. Uh, this is really uh, very good explained with the catering service. It means a lot. Let's talk a bit about the smaller ones. What are the most common mistakes that e-commerce businesses make when it comes to fulfillment? Planning, for one. They have a growing brand and they're not quite sure what to do now. Do they build it for the future and say, listen, I'm doing a thousand orders a day now. I think I'm going to be doing five or 10. So they go out and they expand on their own. They get a bigger building. They start to buy automation that they can't quite afford yet. Building something that they're, they're growing into. It's like getting stretchy pants that you put on. You're going to a party. You're going to eat a lot of food. It's nice to be able to have a little bit of elasticity in that belt. Your brick and mortar, your back end is the same way. And the question is, well, how big do you build it? And the problem is if you build it too big, you're carrying a lot of cost. Maybe you don't grow into it as fast as you thought. Maybe you can't recover that cost. And you wind up in, a, in having to raise prices to cover this cost, and it, it turns customers away. So that's a huge mistake. So what customers have to think about is, can I grow in a modular way, like a Lego? Can I add more Legos as I grow? I don't want to buy the whole thing now, but can I do it such that I can add incrementally to my back end so that I can do it cost effectively? So that's one thing they should take into consideration. And then the other thing is obviously technology. What do I buy now? If you if, Again, if you think you're going to grow and you're going to build all this great infrastructure, are you going to be able to actually cost justify it? I remember when the dot-com was going big in the early 2000s, Everybody was building these automated warehouses because, yeah, the business is going to come. It's going to be there. And I would tell you that I made a fortune in going to these warehouses and buying equipment for 10 cents on the dollar because these companies didn't grow into what they thought they did. And I was able to get the equipment from them at a bargain price because they were going out of business. They had to sell the equipment. You have to be careful about your growth plans, be realistic. And then the other mistake they make is, how many warehouses do I need? Can I do everything from one warehouse? The answer is you can, but then parcel costs get more expensive because you're shipping from one place to all over. Transit times take longer. It's one place to all over. The question is, now do I need to be in multiple warehouses to put my product closer? So the, these are some of the common mistakes that small to large growing companies make in that evolution. Some overcome it because the growth is so big that they do realize their dreams. Many realize the dreams, but it takes a little bit longer. So the 30, 40, 50% growth that they think they're going to get in a year or two might actually take five years. So if you're working with a third party who can be the stretchy pants, who can help you grow at the right rate that you're actually growing, where you pay for what you use, That would be the area that I would tell most of your e-tailers to explore. Thank you. That's really very interesting. And I think also you always need to consider the balance between the need for speed and efficiency and the importance of being accurate and have a good customer satisfaction that everything is in the package. And this is something hard to learn, isn't it? It's a little bit more simple than that. If your product is unique, if you're selling something 
that only you sell. And it's a product that people want and they would be, they would probably be willing to wait a few extra days for that product because it's very unique. No one else does it now. An iPhone. First on, people were willing to wait weeks for that iPhone, but then Samsung came in, Nokia, other companies came in. So if you have something that's very, very unique that people can't purchase elsewhere, they will wait a little bit longer for it. If you have something that, if you're selling something that you can find a substitute for, might not be exactly your product, but something like your product, speed is important. You have to get it to customers as quickly as possible because if you don't, they will shop it somewhere else. So those are the two driving characteristics, I think, of making a decision on whether speed is important or not important and whether accuracy is important or less important, if you will. Awesome. Thanks so much for answering the questions. Here's the last one for today. I'm always asking the same as the last one. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce and logistics and who inspired your entrepreneurship? It's, I would say the answer to that question, who inspired me the most on logistics, I would probably tell you is Jeff Bezos and Amazon, <laughs> simply, sim simply because what they've been able to accomplish in a short time, they were a bookseller. And all yeah. they sold was books. If you go back to when they started, and they sold books, they sold books online. And I think what they were able to do because they had a vision is to create something that has set the bar for the rest of us. They ship same day, they deliver same day today. So I think they, more than anyone, revolutionized logistics. Again, yeah, it's a very, very different model than what we do, but the pressure that they create because of the next day delivery or same day delivery, easy returns, all of those bars that they have set for logistics have made us all better companies because those that expectation Even though it's a different, even though it's a, I'm different than they are, the expectation is still get it next day, second day, accurate, easy returns, good customer service. So more than anyone, I think I admire Jeff Bezos and Amazon for what he was able to do with what he did. And I would tell you prior to that, I'm a little bit older. Sam Walton at Walmart's would be my first. I went down to Arkansas, Bentonville, Arkansas, which was a city that had one traffic light when he started, one traffic <laughs> light in the whole city when he started. And he was up against giants like J.C. Penney, Sears, Kmart. And here's this guy from nothing that became the, one of the biggest corporations and retailer in the world. So Sam Walton and Jeff Bezos, for me, just show you that if you have a vision and a dream and a desire, you can make it happen. That's really a great answer. I love it. And I'm also a big fan of what, what Jeff Bezos did. It's a absolutely massive thing. And I think Amazon also influenced a bit how we think about shipping costs, because whenever a web store has shipping costs uh, attached to the products, then yeah, it's a negative signal for uh, the conversion rate. That's very interesting because this also happened because of uh, the things that Amazon did. Um, yes. and that's also something that they are influence, uh, influencing the e-commerce market quite a lot. Oh, well, they, again, more than anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Harry. It was really a pleasure talking to you. And guys, going to a fulfillment center and finding a partner to do the fulfillment for you is really something you should consider once you're growing because you, you simply offload 
a lot of headache to someone else and can focus on the more important things to even grow more your company and your sales by doing the things that, that you started for, making business. Thank you so much. And don't forget to like our podcast and come back for the next episode. Bye-bye. Oh, I'd love to come back, Norman. It was a pleasure doing it. We definitely have to do more. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.